Again, guys, thank you so much. All the prayers this past week. Great, great ministry opportunity on Friday. Uh, special thank you again to the Reichards uh, opening up your store down at Kenston, letting us set up down front. Awesome ministry. We got rid of pretty much everything. I think we brought back maybe just a box and, and some water left that we'll put in our food pantry. But in two hours' time, I mean, we just... You talk about uh, distributing some supplies. Uh, it was amazing um, to watch and just appreciate everybody who prayed, those who came out and served. Uh, and again, some of the stories that we heard and talking to some of the folks, uh, it's a help. It was a big help. Uh, able to pray with some people out there, uh, situations that, again, I, I can't even begin to imagine uh, what it's like to be in their shoes. And so continue to pray for that. The Gospel of John was in every box. So the Word of God went out. God makes a promise, guys. His Word will not return void. And so uh, my, my encouragement to everyone was, please, when you get to the bottom of the bag, when you get to the bottom of the box, take just a few moments. That's all we ask. This stuff is free to you, and that's free to you. But won't you take just a few moments to read it and think about it? And so continue to pray. You know, we've uh, had stories here. Well, you remember when we did our uh, video outreach and we sent out, uh, I don't remember, was it 2,500, 3,000 videos to a seven-mile radius around our church promoting our church ministry? It was years later before we saw someone come through these doors and said they were moving and they found that disc and watched it. You never know when, how, where God's going to use uh, this to convict hearts and draw people to Himself. So keep praying. Please keep praying. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Uh, I know we were going to do an Old Testament study, and that's still in the plans, but we're going to do something a little different. Now, you guys know me. I love the book studies. We're, going to go, we're back to book studies. However, it's going to take me a little while since you all spoiled me all summer with a topical study. It's, it's hard for me to get back in the groove. So we're going to do like a survey of a book. Then we'll return, Lord willing, to a line-by-line, -line, verse verse-by-verse study of an Old Testament book. We like to go back and forth, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. And so, uh, but um, decided to land here. The reason being, back at the beginning of the, in the summer, uh, Pastor uh, Jonathan out at Freedom Baptist and I got together looking at Wayne Christian Schools, chapel services, planning those for the year. And uh, we decided to launch this series in 1 Peter. I was out there this past week and, and spoke on this portion of Scripture. I've already, already warned, warned Carly it's going to be a review. Um, I hope she took good notes the other day, but uh, she can probably recite it. Carly, come on up. No, I'm just kidding. We won't make you do that. <laughs> but uh, So anyway, um, it, we're going to go through this. Also next week, uh, I will not be here. Guys, please pray for me as I'm uh, traveling. I will be preaching in my hometown of Asheboro. And you know what they say about a prophet in his own town. So uh, please pray for that. Um, was invited by the church. You guys seen the thank you Jesus signs, right? See all those everywhere? That started at the church where I will probably be buried at. Okay, It's in my hometown, Asheboro. A teenage kid had to do a project for school and he came up with that. And so now they're sold in Christian stores all around. I mean, they are going almost worldwide in some places. So that, that is a little church. Um, we may be bigger than them uh, or close to them in size. It's a Quaker church. I'm hoping I get some grits when I'm there. But anyway, just, 
uh, or, or some oats. <laughs> I should. I'm sure they've never heard it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so anyway, good, some good folks there. They've invited me to come and speak. And, uh, uh, and I want to say this too. They are also taking an offering up for us. And that's pretty impressive, guys. They saw uh, our church took on water. They've seen how we've been serving our community. And they want to serve us. It's pretty awesome. The body of Christ, the love of Christ coming together um, in times like this. And that's important. And so pray for that meeting. Pray that I will share the truth of God's word while, while I'm there with those folks. And um, uh, definitely appreciate that. With that said, you, uh, the Gideons will be presenting here next week. And uh, we always appreciate their ministry and what they do. And so um, uh, please come and support that. Listen to what uh, they have to say. The week after that, we will be um, uh, hopefully getting our batteries charged. Um, needing a little refreshing time myself. It's uh, like a lot of you, uh, the past month's been pretty crazy. And so we're going to take a little vacation. I've got a pastoral conference at the uh, Billy, um, Billy Graham Training Center, the Cove in Asheville. And uh, we'll be uh, there with um, uh, Dr. Albert Moeller uh, will be the speaker that week. And so just going to hopefully go rest. Uh, the kids are going to stay at Nanny and Papa's while me and Mama get pampered over five minutes down the road. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we might see you three days later, but we're going to be over here. But uh, so anyway, they'll, they'll, it'll be good, and we look forward to that. So please uh, keep that in your prayers as well. Nate will bring part two of this series, uh, Lord willing, on that Sunday. And then I'll close it out upon my return with a third part. So we're going to cover First Peter, Lord willing, and three messages. See, you thought miracles had ceased, right? You, you might see one. Um, if we can get through. Yeah, it hadn't happened yet. That's right, brother. Oh, ye a little faith. <laughs> but anyway, hopefully we'll, we will get through this. So with that said, I better get moving because I see the clock ticking. And uh, we got a lot of ground to cover in 1 Peter. The first topic we want to talk about is salvation. If you're going to break this up into chunks, there's basically a three-part outline in the, in the book of 1 Peter. So you may want to write this down. The first part is going to be about salvation. The second part is going to be about submission. And the third part is going to be about suffering. Salvation, submission, suffering. And you'll find this throughout uh, the book of 1 Peter. So what about 1 Peter? Let's get a little history, a little background. My wife is right. She says, you're not going to keep your jacket on long enough to wear it anyway, so why are you wearing it? All right, there you go. I think Jimmy Carr has told me that before too. <laughs> uh, it's hotter up here, guys. I'm telling you. Anyway, all right. Notice if you would in 1 Peter, what's going on? We've got to have the backdrop. We've got to have the story of what's happening. First off, 1 Peter is what we call a general epistle. General epistle. Um, now, when I'm talking about epistle, kids, I'm not talking about those, all right? It's a letter. You see that? That was pretty quick. Um, a general epistle. This is Peter's first inspired letter that he ever wrote. So think about that. You think about Peter, you know who I'm talking about. This is the author, Peter. He was the one that denied Christ. Remember, he was the one who, who originally says to Peter, when, he, when Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? Peter was the one who responded, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And remember, Jesus' response to him was, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has made this known. And you know, Peter all of a sudden was probably thinking, hey, I got that one right. Because it don't take him like three or four verses later, and Peter says this, 
when Jesus says, I've got to go to Jerusalem and I've got to suffer many things at the hands of the spiritual leaders of, of, of the town. I will suffer, I will die, and I will raise again. And what was Peter's response? Anybody remember? Not so, Not so Lord. No, I will fight to your death, paraphrase. I will, I will make sure they don't kill you. And what was Jesus' response to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Wow. It's amazing how in one moment you can go from, ah, you got that one right, to get thee behind me, Satan. Uh, I think we can all find ourselves in those moments, can't we? Uh, I suffer from the Peter syndrome. Open mouth, insert foot. You guys, anybody anybody else struggle with that one? Yes. So this is the same Peter. He ends up pulling out the sword, cutting one guy's ear off. And of course, Christ has to say, whoa, 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 we're not going to do it that way. That's not how my kingdom's to come. If, it were, if, we were, if we were going to fight, I'd have told you so, and I'd call 10,000 angels, this is not a problem for me. But that's not how Jesus was going to bring about the kingdom of God, right? And so they weren't understanding this, even in Jesus' day, when they were walking with Him, talking with Him. And then you know, even after Peter denies Him, Jesus meets Him in the resurrection and says, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Three times, just because he had denied him three times, and the conviction hits Peter, yes, Lord, you know me well. And so Peter then has a change in heart and direction, and man, Peter is now on fire. He's the guy who stands up at the day of Pentecost and raises his voice. It says he lifts his voice. This is why sometimes your pastor lifts his voice. It's biblical. And he begins to herald the message to these people that are gathered at the day of Pentecost. And he says, you Jewish people, you're the ones who crucified the Savior. And he preaches a powerful sermon that you'll find there in the early part of Acts. And do you remember the response of the people after he finished preaching? What must we do to be saved? What do I got to do to be saved? He says, repent and believe. Guys, that's the gospel message that still goes out today. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. So what are you doing with Jesus Christ? Are you receiving Him? Or are you rejecting Him? And that's the same message that was put forth to them and is put throughout the New Testament and is put forth to today. So this is the Peter who's authoring 1 Peter 1. And so I want us to kind of understand the character. God bless you, right on cue. Uh, And I want want us to understand who this character was. Right? This is Peter. Anytime you find Peter listed with the disciples, interesting trivia, side note, of the four times you see the list of the disciples anywhere in the New Testament. In fact, let me give you those if you're interested. You'll find those in Matthew 10, Mark 3, Luke 6, and Acts 1. Peter is always named first. Peter was the leader of the group. There's always a leader, guys, and that's because God does things decently and in order. Peter was such a leader. He was formerly known as Simon, later as Cephas, right? Because his name, Jesus said, your name would be changed to Rock. Little Rock. He's not Arkansas. But uh, he is the Little Rock. Christ being the big rock. He was from a family of fishermen. 
That's what he did as a career. And when Christ called him, he left that fishing business to become a fisher of men. He lived in Bethsaida, later in Capernaum. Andrew was his brother. You remember that account, right? Andrew, he was a follower of John the Baptist. He sees Jesus. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so they begin to inquire of Jesus. And, and, and so Andrew's so excited, he runs and tells Peter, Peter, you've got to come see. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. You've got to come see. He's from Louisiana. Come see, come see. And so that's the same Peter, Andrew, brother. Andrew's brother who brought him to Christ. He was married. Many of you didn't know this. Peter was married. She helped serve in his ministry. Tradition would tell us that Peter had to watch as his wife was crucified. Can you imagine? Guys, we have people in other parts of the world right now. I know us comfortable Christians in the United States. I think it's one of the enemy's greatest weapons against us is the comfort. We haven't a clue of what it was like in the early testament of the church's birth. We have no clue what it's like in these other parts of the country. Right now, this very moment, that are afraid to do what you're doing. That are fearful of their lives. That are being persecuted. That are suffering for the cause of Christ. Watching their, their wives and their daughters being raped right in front of their eyes. Abused and beaten and killed for the sake of the gospel. And yet Peter, tradition tells us that his wife was crucified, but encouraged him when she said the words, Remember the Lord. And with those words, tradition tells us that when it came his time to be crucified, it's reported that he did not believe he was worthy to die as his Lord died, so he was crucified upside down. And that probably took place somewhere around A.D. 67, 68. This letter was written somewhere around A.D. 64, 65. I was going to joke this was written in the 60s, you know, peace, love. But no, no, no. <laughs> this was actually the 60s. And his purpose in writing this letter, there was very little peace and love in the day in which he wrote this. In fact, the background is Rome had began to burn. Peter is believed to have written this on the eve of that happening. And through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter knew what was coming. He knew what was getting ready to happen to the people of God. Yes, persecution was already happening. They lived in Rome. And this letter is going to these believers that are there. Now imagine for a second. Here's Rome. Rome rules the world. They're the hubbub. They're the place to be. There's an emperor who is ruling Rome at this time, and his name is Nero. Nero is a really bad guy. Nero has this, insati uh, this, this desire to, to build. He loves to build things. And so he, it, it's believed that he so desired and lusted to build that he decided to burn parts of Rome to get rid of some of the old structures because in order to build, you've got to clear some area. 
And so it's believed because these streets that went in between the, the, the Roman population were so narrow that when the fire was set, it began to quickly spread over from street to street. And before you knew it, the whole entire area of Rome there, the province in that section where they were at was in such... Uh, it was, was on fire. Rome was burning to the ground. And even some of his own people uh, believed Nero was the one who did this. However, he needed to counter it. So to counter this, he sent his minions out everywhere to basically spread the word that it was those Christians who did it. It was the Christians because they were planning an uprising. They were growing in numbers. And so they had to deal with these Christians that were growing in numbers. And so they put this upon them and said, it was their fault. They're the ones who've done this. Because after all, you know, they meet in catacombs. They meet in secret and hiding. And I hear they're cannibals. Cannibals? Yeah, they have this strange teaching that, that says that if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you'll have eternal life. What's that all about? And so even there you see a perversion of truth. And even that has often spread through, and I'm afraid saturates oftentimes the Catholic Church and their transubstantiation practices even today. But we know that's not what Christ was saying. No, there's no cannibalism going on, but they're spreading these lies to fan the flames of fire, if you will. And it was because of that that now all of a sudden persecution is stepped up. Nero was so evil, guys, that as they began to go out and capture these Christians and begin to persecute them, they, they would have them brought in, hear me on this, and he would dip them in pitch in an oil-type substance alive and put them on stakes crosses and put them out across his garden and light them on fire while he viewed the beauty of his garden. Guys, we don't have a clue on what it means to suffer for the cause of Christ. So imagine you getting this letter, Community Baptist Church, knowing this is the climate, this is the pulse, this is what's happening. You're fearful. You're scared. You know suffering's coming. You know persecution's on the rise. And so Peter writes this letter in that context on the eve of this destruction. And here's what he says. 1 Peter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion, He's saying, look, I know, guys, you're wondering. You're scattered throughout the land. In Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. This is modern-day Turkey, by the way. Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you're underlining, you just got the Trinity right there in one verse. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, 
ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see Him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when He testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, that not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as is in your ignorance, but as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was a foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through Him believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and gave Him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to Him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, 
as living stones are being built up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who were, were, were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Father, I pray that the reading of Your Word would not return void. Father, I pray that You will use Your Word and the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, to convict us where we are, to draw us nearer. And Lord, that You would draw near to us. Help us to apply and appropriate this truth today. In Jesus' name, Amen. The first point is the point of salvation. When we read through this lengthy section of Scripture, guys, here's what is being taught. Peter knows the suffering that's coming. He knows that they're going to need something to anchor their soul to in the midst of persecution. They're going to need some hope to, weigh, uh, the, to make their way through this storm. And so if you're here today, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're facing. It may seem an obstacle too big to overcome. It may seem like it's just no way this is going to end well. Guys, I want you to understand salvation. Because salvation is what Peter starts in explaining in this first part because they need to anchor the, themselves somewhere because the storms are coming. And you live long enough, there's going to be a storm that's going to hit your life. Some of you have been hit. And it's the preciousness of who Christ is and the salvation that He's afforded to you that's going to help you wade through this storm. The point of salvation. We see this in 1 Peter 1, 1 through 12. The first point of salvation is justification. And so we see here in this text, he starts off in the beginning, he says, to the elect. He speaks of elect and foreknowledge. And so the point he's wanting to write to these, these people that are, that are uh, scattered about, he wants to say, look, man's going to reject you, but God has selected you. God has chosen you. You are precious as His children. And so don't, don't fear what man can do, to quote Christ, but fear God who has the ability to destroy the soul in hell. And so, justification, when we come to the saving knowledge of Christ, it's a, it's a term that's used in a court. By the way, court this past week you was on a jury, right? I'll talk to you later about that. Jury duty, anybody served lately? <laughs> My wife got called for this week, and she's praising the Lord because she called yesterday and they said, you don't have to report. 
My wife dances. She's a Baptist, but she dances. She was doing a happy dance. But anyway, sorry, dear. It was a true story. Guys, at the cross of Calvary, God said, God the Father said, boom, not guilty. When Christ paid for your penalty, my penalty at the cross of Calvary, He paid our sin debt in full. And for those who repent and put their faith and trust in the finished work of what Jesus Christ did, that gavel, boom, not guilty. You cannot hold this person guilty for their sins because my son Jesus Christ paid in full with His precious blood. He paid it in full and it's been dropped. Boom, not guilty. Guys, when you understand salvation and you understand justification... We are justified in Christ. We're not justified by if we do good or don't do good. We're not justified by how many times we go to church. We're not justified because we've been buried in water. That's not how you're justified. You're justified in faith alone, in Christ alone. Ephesians 2.8 makes it clear. For by grace have you been saved. Through faith. It's not of works. If it was, you could brag about it. It's a gift from God. Jesus Christ is a gift from God. He is God incarnate. He has come, taken on the lowly form of a man so He could pay our way to heaven. And He has justified us in the sight of Almighty God because it takes a God-man to fully atone for man. You and I cannot reach heaven on our own merit. We never could. We never would. And God knows this. And that's why you see an awesome display of grace and love when He reaches down to the unlovable, when He reaches down to us who are in the pigsty, when He reaches down to us who are in deep sin and there's no way of cleaning ourselves up. He says, it's okay, I got you. And He reaches down in the person of Christ and says, I love you. Come to me. I'll clean you. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make you white as snow. That's the grace of God. That's the good news of God. And for those who come, whosoever will, let them come. If any man hears my voice, let him come. If you're thirsty, if you're hungry spiritually, come. I've heard it said this way. When you get to the gates of heaven, on this side it says, whosoever will, let them come. And you walk through those pearly gates and you turn and you look and on this side it says, the elect. Guys, God foreordained through His Son. And those that enter into Christ will have an everlasting relationship. Those are the ones that He loves. Those are the ones He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whosoever, that's a pretty open invitation, whosoever will, let them come. Justification. That's the first part of salvation. You know the sad thing about most Christians? We stop there. Well, I got saved. Hallelujah, I'm on my way to heaven. And most people just stop there, and that's their only shallow understanding of salvation. There's so much more, guys. Sanctification is the second part of salvation. 
There's three parts of salvation we're going to look at. And you guys know this. have been here long enough. You've heard this before. But this is what 1 Peter's unpacking as you read through this text. By the way, again, you're going to go back this week and I hope you will study through 1 Peter. Begin to read through 1 Peter and think about these concepts and see them unfolding in this letter because they're here in this letter. This outline is drawn from the letter. We do what's called exegetical teaching here. We draw from the Bible. We don't pour into the Bible. We pull out from the Bible. So, sanctification. Notice verse 2. Look at that verse 2 again. What does he say here? He says in 1 Peter 1, 2, Elect, according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. What's he talking about here? Well, he gives us a couple of things there. Number one, we know what sanctification is about. These were uh, sanctification again was for the point of obedience. Guys, we are being—he's chipping away at us. All right? Imagine a big uh, rock sculpture, if you will. Just and, and you know how at first you just got a piece of a slab of rock, and what is the the person who's sculpting chips away, chips away, chips away, and eventually it starts to take shape, and you're like, oh, I see it now. I didn't see the bear holding the you know thing of honey. Now I see it. Yeah. Poo. Sorry. So, I see it. Guys, you are being chipped away at. The rough spots are being chipped away at. And we're being more and more conformed to the image of Christ. That's what we should be looking more and more like. And that's the process that we're in right now. This is the present tense part of salvation. Sanctification. So you don't just say a prayer and I'm done. If you just said a prayer and you're done, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Just saying. Because... You may have a faulty understanding. This is why the Apostle Peter said, examine yourself. See if you're in the faith. In the faith. If you're truly justified, you will be in the sanctified process. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it till the day of redemption. And so... He says this, but what's this a sprinkling of blood? There were three circumstances in the Old Testament where blood was sprinkled to people, on people. Now think about this. This is very interesting. The establishment of Sinai, of the Old Covenant. Remember the Old Covenant, Mosaic? They sprinkled blood on the people. Read it in Exodus 24, 5 through 8. The orientation of Aaron and his sons. Who were they? Priests, right? Interesting. That's Exodus 29, 21. The purification ceremony for a cleansed leopard. That was one of the other times that blood would be sprinkled on someone. Covenant, priesthood, cleansing. Covenant, priesthood, cleansing. That's interesting. The sprinkling of the blood of Jesus on us accomplishes the same thing. First, a covenant is formed. We're under the new covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. Remember when Christ said that? First, a covenant is formed. Then we are ordained as priests. Did you know you are all priests? I don't got to go to a certain guy wearing a high-collar high fat belly. You know, that's what they remember Mr. Uh, uh, Bowman used to say that. Anyway, I don't have to go to one of these priests to be a mediator. Guys, you're a priest. The Scripture says you are a priesthood because of the sprinkling of the blood of Christ, because of the shed blood of Christ. He has made you all priests. 
You have access because of who our high priest is. Jesus Christ is our high priest. And finally, we are cleansed from our corruption and sin. Each of these is ours through the work of Jesus on the cross. Guys, not only are you justified, salvationally speaking, you're justified in the presence of God. He's declared you righteous. Positionally, we are in Christ, therefore we're justified. But He's also sanctifying us. He's cleansing us. And again, this is through who Christ is. You're not only cleared from the penalty of sin, okay, because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So not only are you released from the penalty of sin, because if we got what we deserve, guys, what's the penalty of sin? Death. But He justified us. So we're set free from that penalty. But He's also actively working now and freeing us, not just from the penalty of sin, but from the power of sin. You see, when I was an old sinner before, and I used to drink, chew, and go with girls that do, I just did that by nature. That's what I love to do. I mean, you know, pig loves to waller in the slop. I love to waller in the slop. Lest you think you were better than me, so are you. <laughs> we're all dead in our trespasses and sin. Every one of us. Your pleasure, your sin slant might have been different than mine, but don't fool yourself. We were all dead in our trespasses and sins. We all have fallen short. We all have sinned against a holy God. But when I was born again, God gives me the Holy Spirit. He seals me until the day of redemption. This is language, biblical language. You are sealed with the king's signet ring. Nobody can open it until he opens it. And that's what we're getting to next. You're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So guess what? He is working within me to deliver me from the power of sin. So for the first time in my life, I actually have a desire in my heart to not drink, chew, and go with girls that do. Now that doesn't mean I'm completely immune from it. It doesn't mean I don't trip and stumble along the way. But man, there's a new desire. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. And I'm going to feed the new man. I want to be obedient. And so Peter is telling these people that are dispersed, and he's saying, look, I know persecution is coming. I know it's going to get hard, guys, but you need to anchor yourself in salvation. Understand the justification. Understand the sanctification. Be obedient because of what Christ has done for you through the shedding of His blood. So walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. This reminds me of our Hebrews study. Remember what we learned in Hebrews 9? But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands. That is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all. That's a time reference. You know, I finished it once, for, once and for all. That's, that's what that means. And so He says, once and for all, uh, he entered the holy place. Having obtained temporary salvation? Is that what that says? He didn't obtain temporary salvation, did he? He obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ 
who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanses your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Peter's saying, look, man, now's not the time to back away, guys. I know it's getting hard. I know life's getting tough. It's getting ready to get tougher and harder. But now's the time to serve more than ever. Now's the time that we shine forth, Christian. In the darkness is when the light shines the brightest. And I want you to encourage yourself because of the truth of salvation. So it's the point of salvation he's making here. And the last point of that is glorification. Notice verse 7, if you would, there in the text. What does he say? He says... Let me do six. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. All right? That the genuineness of your faith... So here's the reason. Here's the cause. You want... Why do bad things happen to good people? You may ask. Uh, good... You, you actually got that phrase right. Why do good things happen to bad people? There's none good. No, not, not one. You get an A for the day, sir. But people will ask this. And notice, here's the reason. Though for a little while, you know, you've been grieved by various trials, seven, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. I lost everything in my house fire. Oh, my gold's gone. Oh, you want to know why you're suffering various trials? This is just a testing of your faith. Because what happens when your faith is tested? Well, let me give you a couple. Let me, let me read this from Spurgeon. I'll hit that in just a second. Indeed is the honor of faith to be tried. Shall any man say, I have faith, but I've never had to believe under difficulties? Who knows whether thou hast any faith? Shall a man say, I have great faith in God, but I have never had to use it in anything more than the ordinary affairs of life, where I could probably have done without it as well as with it? Is this to the honor and praise of thy faith? Does thou think that such a faith as this will bring any great glory to God or bring to thee any great reward? If so, thou art mightily mistaken. Spurgeon. Faith is tested to show that it is sincere faith or true faith. Faith is tested to show the strength of faith. Faith is tested to purify it, to burn away the dross from the gold. Guys, you want to know sometimes why we face stinky things in life? It's because the end result, God knows, is we're going to draw closer. When do you cry out the most, Oh, Lord, help me. It's when life is stinky. I'm using appropriate terms here. Right? I mean, life gets stinky sometimes. Life gets pretty cruddy. Sometimes we just want to ask, Why is this happening? Why is this going on? It's probably, possibly, we've been studying the book of Job, right? In recent go-rounds. Sometimes, guys, it's so that God can reveal to our own heart who we are in Him. So that we can anchor to Him 
more. Now, we don't need to wait until it gets hard to do that, guys. In fact, my prayer would be that Community Baptist Church in these days of blessing, that we would honor God, that we would say, Lord, help us draw near in these times of plentiful. Help us to draw near in times of blessing. Help us to continue to be lights regardless of the circumstances. But we see here glorification in this last part because he said there in verse 7, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Guys, that's the final stage of your salvation. You're justified in Christ Jesus. You're being sanctified right now. God desires to deliver you from the power of sin. And some of you are fighting that good fight of faith. Surrender to Christ. Yield to Him, not the temptations of this world. Be obedient to Christ because of how and what He's done for you. Come away from the temptations that are tripping you up, that's trying to destroy your testimony. Be sanctified. Be set apart. Days are dark. Be different. Be different from this world around you. Be set apart. Let Him sanctify you. Be obedient. Because one day, the final stage of your salvation will come. Jesus Christ is going to return. And glorification will happen. You will be made completely delivered from the presence of sin. Not just the penalty, not just the power, but one day the very presence of sin will be gone forever. And we will forever be in the presence of Almighty God. And to Him be the glory. And to Him be the praise. And so guys, the only thing that's going to count in that glorious day is who you are in Christ. And we need to start being who we are in Christ today for our good and for His glory. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. We're just getting started. We didn't get through to the sections that we need to. And that's okay, Lord. I trust that now is the time to stop. Lord, I pray that you will allow this truth to really just find place in our heart and we won't sin against you. Help us to anchor ourselves in the truth of salvation because, Lord, regardless of the circumstances, you are our deliverer. You have paid our penalty in full. And, Lord, because of who Christ is and because of what he's done on our behalf, we can be set free. And Father, in closing, I want to extend an invitation if there be any person here that's never repented of their sin, never surrendered and said, God, forgive me. I know I'm a sinner and I know I need Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to ask that you would in this closing moment, just right where you are, I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to come forward, but I am going to ask you right where you are, Surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ today. Call upon the only name under heaven given amongst men by which to be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. He came into this world, born of a virgin, truly God, truly man, and He's been willing to take your sin to the cross. And it was there that He put an end to it. He has justified you in the sight of Almighty God. He died for your sin. 
every sin you've ever thought, imagined, committed, or will ever commit. He paid it in full. Once for all, it's finished. And He offers you the gift of eternal life. He offers you the gift of forgiveness. Will you by faith receive that today? Just acknowledge your sin. Believe that the Father sent the Son to die on a cross for your sin. And then call upon His name. He promises you, if you call upon His name, He will save you. Put your faith and trust in Him alone. Nothing else. Grace alone. Faith alone. In Christ alone. He makes you a promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do that in this moment. And if that's you and today you surrender your heart and life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you. These things, the things in Scripture, He's written to you that believe on His name, that you may continue to believe in His name. He's written these things that you might know you have eternal life. I want to encourage you to read the Word of God and obey it. Gather with the saints and grow in your faith. Father, thank you for this time. I pray you will be honored and glorified with all that's been done. And go with us now until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.